Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Sometimes we have to have difficult conversations. Any marriage, sometimes you have to have difficult conversations, roommates, talks with your parents, talks with your kids, brothers, sisters, friends. And those are difficult conversations because there's some kinds of misunderstandings and some kinds of conflicts that we have. And this is also true with God. Now, that might be strange, but sometimes we have to wrestle with God. We have to wrestle about our beliefs. What does he Uh, saying here, and is this something we're going to believe? And we have to wrestle with decisions in our lives. And in John chapter 6, Jesus is forcing a conversation like that with those who are called here his disciples. So there are people who are following Jesus. So here's a question we have to wrestle with when we get to the end of John chapter 6. How long will you stick with following Jesus? What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? What would what would it take in your life? What would he what would have to happen for you to walk away from him? When we read the miracles of Jesus, all these miracles in the Bible, the idea of following Jesus seems attractive to us. I mean, Jesus is being a healing and blessing God, and we want his healing, we want his blessing, we want his miracles in our lives. And then there are other times where Jesus acts like a ruling Lord more than a blessing God and says things that challenge our own authority in our lives. We probably wouldn't put it that way, but that's what's happening. And now both are the same thing in reality, right? His miracles show his true power to heal and bless our lives, and his words are also his true power to heal and bless our lives, but that's harder for us to see. Because it requires certain choices that we have to sometimes change things in our lives, alter our beliefs, alter our decisions, alter the realities in our lives. Now, remember the first part here of John chapter 6, Jesus fed, well, it says 5,000 men plus women and children. He, He fed thousands of people in this wilderness area on the other side of the Sea of Galilee from where Jesus normally spent his time. It's a wilderness area. There's not a lot there. There's thousands of people, and they're 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 hungry. And so Jesus takes five loaves, little barley loaves of bread, and two fish, and he feeds everyone. It says as much as they wanted, and they had more than enough to be satisfied. And there's a whole miracle there, obviously. But the people like this. They like this kind of blessing. They like this kind of provision of Jesus. And so now they're really following him. He's got thousands. I mean, he had 5,000 before he did this of just men. Now he's got thousands who want to stick with him because this is this is a great deal. So they follow Jesus to the other side. And then Jesus starts to say things about himself being the bread of life. This is what his miracle demonstrated. When he provided the bread for everyone to eat and be satisfied, then he turns it about himself 
and he calls himself the bread of life. He calls himself the bread that the bread of God, the bread that came down from heaven and gives life. And if you eat the bread that he provides, you will never hunger again. We looked at that in the last episode. But then the more Jesus taught, the more things he said, it kind of unravels. It starts going bad. People start pushing back and and saying, "Wait, no. What about? Wait, no. Wait a minute." And Jesus then gets into this argument with them. He starts to to push back on them because it's one thing for Jesus to say, "Let me bless you." Here's a free bread and fish. It's another then for him to say that he's the only way, that the only way that he really can truly bless you is by making him Lord of your life. And that's what Jesus starts to say in the last part of John 6. And we're not going to read all the verses, but he's talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And it becomes really weird if you're just hearing this from somebody. We have the benefit of looking back and we have these thousands of years of understanding what Jesus meant metaphorically about eating his flesh, drinking his blood, and how that was providing life. They're hearing it for the first time and it's not going well. And so toward the end of John 6, in some sense, Jesus is trying to push. He's trying to be directly offensive toward people's false assumptions about him, about themselves, about what life is all about, because he's forcing people to deal with his claims and to deal with who he really is beyond just his miracles of providing bread. They had a Jesus they wanted to follow, and he was pretty much being that Jesus until he was not. And this is the moment where he's forcing a bigger decision. And so it's one of those points where people are confronted with the decision to leave him or keep following him, even if it's hard. So let's pick up in verse 60. It says, on hearing it, on hearing what Jesus was saying, many of his disciples, now that's an interesting word, right? These are people who are following him. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Now remember, verse 51, Jesus said that he was the bread that came down from heaven, which is a strange thing for somebody to say. It's like something he'll say in chapter 8, verse 58, where he says, Before Abraham was, I am. It's something like he will pray in John 17, 5, when he talks about being with God before the creation of the world. So the bread that came down from heaven is a weird thing for somebody to say. Now he's talking about here ascending back again to heaven. Would that change the narrative for them, he's asking. Now what if you saw the Son of Man who not only came down from heaven but ascend back to heaven? Would that be enough to change whether or not you find these words offensive? It's a way for him to say, look, there's going to be more to the story. Don't stop yet. There's more to come. And so then Jesus says in verse 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they're full of the spirit and life. They are spirit and life is what it literally says in the Greek language. The words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. 
Don't give up yet. He's trying to give them something to hang on to. Look, there's more coming in the narrative. And the words that I speak to you are spirit and they, and they are life. The way we feed off the bread of life is by Jesus's very words. They are spirit and they are life. They give life. There's something about them that they are of the spirit. They are full of the spirit and they actually give life. Remember what Jesus said? We talked about this in the last episode quickly in Matthew 4, 4. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 8. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's something about the word of God itself that is like bread. It it gives life life. You live off of the word of God. All of the Bible is God's word, Jesus taught other places, that is spirit and life. When we use God's word in worship, remember Jesus talked about this in chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, about worshiping God in spirit and truth. Something of God's Holy Spirit is happening in us that is giving us life when we worship God in spirit and the truth of his word. When we use the word of God in worship, something spirit and life, something spirit and truth is happening in us that we can't see, but it's happening. Peter remembers this, and he writes in his epistle, 1 Peter one twenty three, that he calls it the imperishable seed that is the living and enduring word of God. It's happening us. It's causing us to be regenerated. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 10, it talks about the word of God. It, it revives our soul. It brings joy to our heart. And it enlightens our eyes, and it endures forever. Even the very second verse of the Bible talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness. And God said, let there be light. This word of God, this saying, this speaking by the Spirit of God causes creation. And so it causes a new creation in us. When we really understand what Jesus is saying here, that his words and the words of God are, are giving life, they are spirit, they're, a new, they're causing a new creation in us. Now we begin to understand why we want to use the word of God in our worship, in our conversation with God, in this sense of worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So verse 66 says, from this time... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So this is this is amazing, right? It's the the miracle of Jesus providing bread that is great, and there's thousands of people there before he does it, and that's why he does it, and now they're following him, and then his teaching gets pointed and directed toward how his miracle is proving who he really is and who he's claiming to be, the bread of life, and that you have to feed on him to have eternal life. And if you feed on him, you will never hunger. And he's saying now that his words are spirit and his words are life, and they just this is just too much, and so they no longer follow him. So verse 67, Jesus turns to the 12 disciples, and he asks, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, that's a big confession on the part of Peter, but he's kind of saying it like, where else would I go? I mean, yeah, I kind of want to leave too. This is hard, but... You have the words of eternal life. There's no other place to go. 
I don't have any other options. So I have to stick with you as hard as it is. Now, in, in, in our day, we read a lot about people leaving the faith, whether they're called exangelicals or just nuns or people, you know, N-O-N-E-S, people who are leaving the faith. We have people, especially now in our culture, who are at a point where they are they once followed Jesus in some way, maybe they would be called disciples in the book of John in some way. But now because of our, whether it's cultural pressure or because of new ideas flooding up in pop culture, or just because of politics becoming our culture's new religion in lots of ways, or just because of in some way not wanting to be seen as a dumb Christian, or or maybe just questioning Christianity's teachings, because there have been huge abuses by churches and by Christians throughout history. That That for sure is true. Or whatever it is, they no longer want to be a follower of Jesus. They no longer want to be associated with Christianity. They no longer want to be associated with the church. And as a result, they end up actually leaving Jesus. It may not be a conscious decision, but it might be. I mean, I know people lately where it has been a conscious decision, but they may not say it that way, but they no longer read the Bible and worship Jesus, worship God through the word of God. They, they, they have left that behind. His teachings are too hard to follow, too offensive in our culture today, embarrassing even. And, you know, there's a sense in which I can understand part of that because there's a lot of teachings of Jesus that I don't understand and I do find sometimes hard to defend. It's the same now as it was 2,000 years ago when his disciples had the same dilemma. There's nothing new to any of that. It's been happening since the days of Jesus. Jesus even pushes it to happen here. And it says right here that because Jesus was so blatant about who he was, that it was offensive to people of that time. It's offensive to people in our time. And it says from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The same thing is happening today. Nothing new. It's not a sign that anything new is happening. It's the same exact thing that happened when Jesus was alive. So Jesus asked the 12, his inner group, do you want to leave too? And it's really interesting because it says again in verse 68, Peter's answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's no other story that's not a dead end. My guess is those who are leaving their faith now, those who are leaving Christianity, or it's not because they no longer believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's not like they found new evidence that they didn't have before. I don't, I don't think it's anything intellectual like that. They're just offended at being associated anymore with Jesus in our culture. It's just, it's just too much. The cultural winds are too strong for them to resist, even for Jesus. So following Jesus is too hard. Or maybe there's just something else going on in their life that makes following Jesus too hard. And his teachings are too hard to defend among the group that they're with now. And so following Jesus is too hard. Just like just like in Jesus' day here in John in John 6. But Peter, you know, who often got a lot of things wrong, at least he understood this. As hard as it is sometimes to follow Jesus, and it is hard to follow Jesus sometimes because we don't have all the answers to, to, to life and we don't have all the answers to some of the things that, 
that he said. And sometimes he does say things that we don't understand and we're not sure how to defend. But Peter said at the end of the day, there's nowhere else to go. The narrative determines everything. The story, the end of the story determines everything. And Jesus did these miracles. Peter believed. Peter saw them. We see the witness of these miracles by the apostles. All these apostles suffered for their testimony of these miracles and their testimony of Jesus' resurrection all the way to the point where they were executed for it. They'd been declaring it for decades, and they were even writing it in these gospels that we're reading, and they were executed for it. Jesus did these miracles that caused these people, thousands of people to follow him, but he also taught the things that caused the people eventually to kill him, have him crucified on a cross, and he also rose from the dead that caused these disciples to have a new courage in their faith and to spend decades witnessing to his resurrection. They saw him ascend to heaven, just like Jesus said, what if you see the Son of Man ascend again? And Jesus is Lord forever. He is God forever. God became human in the person of Jesus, did the miracles that he did, taught what he taught, died to break through the other side of death and rose again from the dead and ascended to heaven. And he is God forever and he's going to return and bring his forever kingdom. It's already started that the apostles taught. It's already started because of his resurrection. And every other story is a dead end. I mean, literally every other story is a dead end. It's everybody's going to die in it. And then that's the end. Remember, Jesus said right before all this in verse 58, talking about himself, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. There's, there's no other story. I mean, whatever story you're leaving Jesus for to follow, take that story to its logical conclusion. It's a dead end. You already know it's a dead end. What story now do you think these people 2,000 years ago that left Jesus because his teaching was too hard, what story now do you wish they'd been in? So Peter says, you're the one who has the words of eternal life, and we know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the bread of life. Now, maybe you're at that point where you're not sure where you are in your faith. In the past, you've wanted to follow Jesus, but lately you've been struggling with whether or not you still want to keep following Jesus. I mean, there are all these louder voices. When you watch TV, when you read social media, when you're on the internet, there are all these louder voices and they are confident and they're speaking and they're challenging your beliefs and making you feel stupid for your beliefs and making following Jesus seem stupid and archaic. And other stories are trying to get you to question Jesus's story, the Christian story, this narrative. But at the end of the day, what do you think of Jesus? I mean, it doesn't come down to what do you think of Christians? What do you think of the abuses that Christians have done over the years? Yes, they've done them just like followers of Jesus have been stupid ever since the days of Jesus. Peter took out his sword and cut off the servant's ear when Jesus was being arrested. That was stupid. Christians have been stupid ever since. But what do you think of Jesus? Do you think he died on the cross and rose from the dead? Do you think he did these miracles so that he had this huge following? 
But then he also taught these direct claims about himself that caused the crowd to no longer follow him, caused the leaders to get away with crucifying him. Because these are hard claims. Jesus makes hard claims. He sees himself as an unrivaled Lord, and he makes claims accordingly. Where are you with the claims of Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? Do you believe he's the bread of life, the Holy One of God, the one whose words have eternal life, the one whose words are spirit and life and speak a new creation in us? If you do, maybe not 100%, but enough to want to keep following him, then pursue him just as a hungry person would pursue their next meal. That's what John 6 is all about. He's the bread of life. Pursue him as a thirsty person would be looking for water. Pursue him as a hungry person who's trying to find bread because he's the only one who ultimately has the words that are spirit and life. And so we pray to him, Lord, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I do believe that you were born of the Virgin Mary because the Holy Spirit of God conceived you in her womb and that you were born human, fully human, and you were born fully God and you lived and you were able to do these miracles, these extraordinary miracles of giving sight to the blind and those who had been crippled all their lives, they were able to walk and those who were dead, you called their name and they came back to life. You walked on the water, you calmed the storm with your hand, you took five loaves of bread and two fish and you fed thousands of people more than once. I believe that the words that you have spoken are spirit and life. They are full of the spirit and they are full of the new creation of life. And I want to worship you. I want to worship God by the spirit, in the spirit, and in truth to worship you to worship you because the forever God is my God forever, because you are the bread of life, because you are the good shepherd, because you are the resurrection and the life, because you are the light of the cosmos, the light of this universe, the light that speaks a new creation, and you are the true vine that gives life. And you are the way and the truth and the life. And you are the resurrection and the life. And your word is the imperishable seed that is the living and enduring word of God. It revives my soul. It brings joy to my heart. It enlightens my eyes. It endures forever. And just like in Genesis 1, it speaks a new creation in my life. I pray that you would speak and continue to speak your word of your Holy Spirit into my life so that I would worship you, that I would lift up my eyes to you who has ascended into heaven, you who are the bread of life, you who are the living water, the fountain of life, that I would lift up my eyes to you because 
You have the words of eternal life, and there is no one else who does. There is no other word of life. Everything else is a dead end. Everything else is death. Everything else is nothing in the end. But you are this returning kingdom that is a restoration that has already begun because you have already risen from the dead. And I want to be in that story of your revived creation, your restored creation, your restored beauty and life and glory glory and transcendent goodness and the presence of your transcendent self always seen and filling the earth with your glory and your beauty. I want to follow you. Maybe I can say I want to want to follow you. I don't want to turn away from you. I don't want to turn toward a dead end story. There's no other narrative that has eternal life except this one. Nobody else's words are the spirit and truth and life except your words and the words of God. And I want to worship you in spirit and truth. And I pray these things because I want to follow you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.